0: So hello there guys and welcome along to the live review of the DNF1 podcast Austrian Grand Prix here at Formula One. Now of course guys what a crazy race that was. Thank you for joining us on Sunday night and we hope that you are well and just a quick reminder for those of you who don't know much about us we are the independent F1 podcast made by the fans and for the fans as we do race reviews previews and all of the latest talking points, news and gossip in the world of Formula One for your listening or viewing pleasure. And what a crazy race it was. So many ups and downs, so much excitement, so many battles and so many breaches of track limits amazingly but of course at the end of the day it was won by Charles Leclerc despite not getting on the top step of the podium in the sprint race where Max Verstappen seemed to have the advantage Leclerc true to his word pulled it out of the bag and just about managed to get it over the line when trouble seemed to ensue for him and more crucially managing to take a huge dent out of Max Verstappen's championship league which is now 38 points to Leclerc And whilst that may seem like a huge margin, it certainly could prove to be a precedent of what is to come in the second half of the season. Joining me on the DNF1 panel tonight, it's just going to be my co-host Courtney Pine. but that's more than we're going to need tonight to review a great Grand Prix. Courtney, first of all, how are you doing and what did you make of the Austrian Grand Prix weekend?
1: I'm doing well and yeah, it was a thoroughly enjoyable race. As you said, plenty of action, had a bit of everything. Um, loads of battles, particularly in the midfield and a victory for Charles Leclerc that i will say a decent amount of people watching were happy with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it, it's important to note that this is a huge, huge result for Charles Leclerc in particular. It could have been so much more for Ferrari as well. And of course, we'll talk about that momentarily. But this is a guy that He hadn't really been struggling for form, but been struggling for the results. He's been driving incredibly well. And unfortunately for him, it it just reliability and strategy mistakes that were affecting him. So it's one of those where it was so important for Charles Leclerc for his luck to come in. And it very nearly went against him. But at the end of the day, he got the win. He got the result. He beat Max for stepping in a straight fight. He had him covered all ends up. He made crucial overtakes on him, which is another important factor as well. And despite Max still having a gargantuan lead, we've already seen this season how such a lead that Charles had can be eradicated quite quickly. So with all that in mind, Courtney, I think the first thing we've got to do really is ask the question, is Charles Leclerc now back in the Drivers' Championship?
1: I think he is. I think the next few races, I think before the summer break, next couple of races are vital. I think if he continues to chip away at that lead and we going into the second half of the season, where I think things could potentially get a lot more interesting, I think with these um, with the regulation changes coming in, over the summer, regarding the floor, we don't know which team is going to affect more than the other. We could hypothetically end up in a situation where we have Mercedes in the mix and there'll be a bigger point swings race by race. So, if, if Ferrari and Charles Clerk keep up the recent form that they have over the last couple of races, then this game definitely back on.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And I think that's the most important thing right now because whilst You know, Ferrari obviously still having their own troubles, particularly the other side of the garage this weekend where they are all celebrated and cheerful. It could have been a really, really great weekend for Ferrari. It should have been another one too. Unfortunately for them, Carlos Sainz's engine just gave up towards the end, just at the point where it looked like he was going to overtake Max Verstappen. But I kind of want to draw on the overtakes that Charles Leclerc made because, of course, himself and Max had a few battles today. Charles overtook him three times. On the road, all clean overtakes. And this was something that this season, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc hadn't managed on Max Verstappen. How crucial in your mind, Courtney, going towards the latter half of the season will that be to Ferrari? Because it clearly looks like now they have the pace to match and and beat Red Bull in a straight fight right now.
1: Yeah, I think that the most vital aspect is obviously the pace. I think also psychologically, psychologically, when they go into future battles with each other, Charles Leclerc will have the confidence that he can overtake Max. and I think it was also vital given you know, the atmosphere and the overwhelming support for Max Verstappen and Ferrari seem to be calm and collected throughout the weekend. These are the kind of experiences and lessons that they're going to need going through the rest of the season. So they will go to Zandvoort, they will go to Spa and they won't feel as much pressure or as much intimidation as they might have previously last year, for example, if they were in that. Kind of battle, but obviously, as neutrals, we always want to see a close battle going towards the end of the season. As I said before, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season. I really am hoping this is where the Mercedes bias fanboy comments come in. I'm really hoping that with the regulation change, we could well see a three way battle at the end of the season. And as I've already said, that just means there's going to be bigger point swings race by race. And that's the battle that a lot of people are hoping for for this season. We've had the odd battle here and there. It's been a bit too easy for Red Bull in recent times. But Ferrari has certainly given us a glimmer of hope at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, it it was one of those days where we saw this earlier in the season in Bahrain, how well Ferrari managed that race. And there are a lot of images going around in the news uh, about Ferrari this weekend. Of course, there was a scene. I don't know if you saw this on Friday night, Courtney, after practice and after Sprint Quali, actually, where Lauren Meeks and Mattia Bonotto they sort of galvanised the team. They all sort of in one huge huddle. Almost, it felt like they were, you know, trying to rally the troops, trying to get everything together with the hope that they can sort of put it together this weekend, despite the misfortune that they've been having and and, and the mistakes as well. And this weekend, I've got to say, Ferrari. Other than the reliability issue for signs at the end, they absolutely managed the race spectacularly well. The sprint race, the two of them were sort of fighting each other, which gave Max Verstappen pretty much a free hit to win the race, which obviously he did. Sunday, very different. It was much more organized. Both of them got good starts. They didn't really get in each other's way. They managed their strategies absolutely superbly. They reacted very well to everything Red Bull had to throw at them, even when they were trying to mix up the strategy themselves, because there was obviously that contrast between the one and two stop strategy, which... All the experts were saying there wasn't really much in it. Despite what Red Bull were doing, Ferrari managed that. The pit stops were fantastic as well. There were, pretty much all of them were very, very quick. And it just felt like this was a day that Ferrari were going to play this spot on. They were going to get that one-two result that seemed to have eluded them for some time. And unfortunately for them, despite getting the win, which they'll be delighted about, half of the garage is going to be ecstatic. The other half is going to be equally disappointed. And once again, reliability trouble that affected Carlos Sainz this time as at the moment as he was about to overtake Max Verstappen. With all that said, Courtney, whilst we can easily praise Ferrari for all the brilliant things that the team did at the circuit today, once again, it's the shortcomings in managing this reliability crisis that seems to be affecting them right now that could potentially be derailing them on both championships.
1: Yeah, it certainly is an issue, of course. I think it, it could so easily have swung the other way. We could have been seeing Charles Leclerc still having a massive lead because we saw Max Verstappen have issues at the start of the season. I do expect reliability to become more of a feature in this um, championship battle towards the end of the season where obviously the car's starting to knock her out. We've gone into a season with brand new concepts, brand new regulations, and with the cost cap, cap becoming an issue as well, I can see there being a lot more um, reliability related points drops. So again, I do expect there to be a lot more points available. Look, as you said at the beginning, It's a 38-point gap, something like that. It might seem big right now, but there's still 11 races to go. And look, as we saw today, a race result can change just like that. And we've got 11 more races to go. So I'm certainly hoping it it goes to Abu Dhabi. But let's hope hope if it does go to Abu Dhabi, it ends in uh, different circumstances than last season.
0: Well, this is it, Corny, and it's going to be quite crucial because the current standings say that Red Bull are 56 points ahead of Ferrari. If Carlos Sainz had come second, as we expected him to do so, and get Max Verstappen, that would have reduced the gap a lot more. You know, there would have been 18 Uh points better off, probably more points better off, actually, because Red Bull would have lost a few points if Sainz would have got Verstappen. So there's like a 21-point swing that has gone from Ferrari, and that would have brought them, I think that would have been about, just trying to do the maths in my head, about 35 points or something like that between them. now. car's
1: been good at maths. Well, there you go. I mean, you never
0: get into F1 if you, well, F1 uh, podcasting if you're good at maths, of course, but it does help if you are. But it's just really disappointing for Ferrari. They executed the weekend absolutely perfectly. Well, at least the Sunday they did perfectly. Saturday was a bit more questionable. Um, Once again, team orders came to the fore when their two drivers were fighting. It cost them a chance of winning, but they managed the race spectacularly today. It's just such a shame that they weren't rewarded adequately when Red Bull, who have been equally brilliant in other races, have managed to consolidate those results, that's been key in this championship so far. Um, with all that said and done, Corny. before we talk a little bit about signs, are there any positives that Ferrari can take away from this, um, excluding, obviously, winning the Grand Prix and, you know, being in a position where they could have, they sh- they had the pace today to get a
1: 1-2? Yeah, I think the self-belief from uh, Charles Clare would have come back with abundance after that win. He's also a little bit nervy towards the end of the race, and, you know, understandably so. But I just think, look, with, with any driver, if they have the confidence that their car's going to perform well, they take that momentum into future races. It gives them that little bit of extra confidence in braking zones, high-speed corners, for example. It gives them those extra attempts of seconds. But he is going to need up against a, a driver of Max Verstappen's uh, right, calibre. So... Ferrari gonna have to be on their A game. Look, I said this earlier on in the season. Look, I have my opinions on Red Bull and some of the personnel, but you can't you can't deny how you know how well the, they perform as a team. So Ferrari really have to for the rest of this season try to be on their A game as much as possible because that's the only way they're gonna beat Max Verstappen and Red Bull.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I couldn't agree more with that one. And of course, guys, let us know your thoughts on Ferrari this weekend. Obviously, thoughts on the race, how they managed today, and how crucial you think that uh, retirement for Carlos Sainz could be in the Constructors' and Drivers' Championship, of course, because it allowed Max Verstappen to get a few more points and the Red Bull team by extension. Just looking through the chat, get your thoughts as well on the chat. We'll read out some of the best ones on the show tonight. We've got a few people in already. Great to see that you guys are along and engaging with us. Fantastic stuff. SHT coming in thanks for coming in mate uh first time i think i've seen SHT in the chat alonso has kept in place confirmed no penalty just released a few minutes ago good to hear of course we're just keeping an eye on that any updates of course that do go through on social media i think we're okay because i know there are some sort of uh, there are a few post-race penalties i think there was one about infringements in park ferme over something like what max charles and lewis were doing but i think they're going to be okay if anything it might just be a fine or something but uh of course if anything happens we'll let you know dave doherty Hi, Dave. Hope you're well, mate. Says, hello, gents. Just made it. Love the idea. Hope you are well. Yeah, we're doing okay. Hope you're well also. And Ken Waller. Hi, Ken. Hope you are okay. Says, not a bad race. Happy that Max lost for the championship, but very unhappy with his supporters behavior. It's disgraceful. And I wonder when Max and Horner will come out with clear statements condemning. And I think that's a really good point, actually, because I was trying to figure out how I was going to segue this important topic into this race review tonight and I think Ken has given me the perfect opportunity to do that. So a little background, a little context for some followers or fans tuning into this show that might not be aware of what Ken is referring to. Over the course of this weekend unfortunately we've heard multiple reports from many different accounts of some fans in certain sections of the race this weekend um, abusing, taunting, in some cases um, expressing misogynistic behavior cat calling you name it it was it was being done to certain degrees and you know I I don't really feel it's you know too... how can I put this it just seems obvious that this behavior is unacceptable and I, I do and this isn't an isolated incident I'm pretty sure that this has happened to other circuits it, it's just come to light in the media today. I'm sure there are plenty of accounts at other venues. Courtney, you mentioned one this morning of when you went to the Belgian Grand Prix of um, how uh, your family were treated in the same way as some of the young women that were abused and, um, you know, catcalled. And I think I read one account that um, I think Mercedes took in a few fans that were, I think one person was trying to touch them inappropriately or stuff like that, you know. Again, look, this is not me making this up. This is stuff that's been coming from those accounts of those of those people affected um, we saw a news broadcast about it it's just appalling and for me f1 has no choice they have to take a strong stance on this they have to eradicate this behavior i mean i can't pretend to understand how that must feel to be abused like that but it's it's just not acceptable in formula one it's not acceptable in sport or in any walks of life to be fair
1: you, you know what you're just sitting down head. right in the end it's is. The kind of behaviour where if that was to happen on the street, you'd get yourself arrested. You'd have every right to be arrested for that kind of behaviour. And as you said, look, I went to Spa in 2015 with my sister and and this this was just when Max Verstappen was just coming into the sport. You know, he's a breath of fresh air to the sport. So when I talk about the certain groups of fans within Max Verstappen's fan base, this isn't a dig at the driver, this isn't a dig because I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan or I'm sorty or all, all the usual stuff that you see online that deflects from the actual issue at hand I'd, uh, if it was Lewis Hamilton fans doing it, I'd be saying the exact same thing you should not be going to a Formula 1 venue and getting sexually harassed because that's what it is, it's sexual harassment I, I'll, I'll talk through my, my own experiences of it it's just a load of drunk middle aged men all around each other, acting all primitive, all, all the alpha male nonsense that you see when people have had drinks and the rest of it down the pub all night. And they think they can just get away with doing whatever they want because they have a mob mentality because that's exactly what it is. I'm not saying that uh, it's every single fan. You get a few bad eggs in every situation, but there are a fair number of them that were doing it in the occasions that I noticed. But... At the same time, it's also important to stress that you don't want to tart everybody with the same brush. I'm a West Ham United fan. I've been a West Ham fan for most of my life. And obviously, as a West Ham fan, if, if I was to say to somebody that knows a little bit about football, I'm a West Ham fan, you sometimes seem to go, oh, I bet he's a little bit iffy. It's not the case. It's just you get, you get get the bad you get the bad fans in every group. But I posted this on our social media earlier on. The, a pro of being a Formula One fan compared to other sports, like football, for example. Yes, even the football games, you should go there and feel safe as a woman, as a, as a as a young, as a child. Football still has a way to go because that's been so institutionalized in the sport for decades, maybe you know centuries. Formula One has always been traditionally a family sport. You know, being friendly for anyone from any walks of life going into the going to any race venue. Over the last couple of years, in particular, it's become more and more of an issue. Formula One started to become more tribal. Last year, we saw it between the Hamilton fans and Max Stafford fans, and it's 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 been bad enough online, but it started to become more apparent in person as well. And for like a football, football, you know, as a football fan, you can't walk down certain streets in certain areas with your team colours on. Are we going to start heading in a direction where? I don't know, if I had my Mercedes shirt on, I wouldn't be able to walk around certain parts of Spa or, or Austria. We don't, want to head, we don't want to head in that direction. There are a lot of things that need to be addressed because there are people going through traumatic experiences. And before you know it, there will be massive fights. You're going to start seeing like hooliganism the way that you see in football. Because I know it sounds extreme, but if you don't, tap this down, you're going to start having Formula 1 attracting all these kinds of people because they're going to start seeing a rivalry and you don't want to be going down that road seeing hooliganism in in, in F1 let's not rule it out because it could be a possibility if this kind of behaviour isn't stamped down on and then other people from people's families go to these F1 events to defend their families, it's awful and it does need to stop and I do believe that everybody throughout the grid needs to talk on it and that does include Red Bull. That does include Christian Ornard. Christian Orna seems to have an opinion on everything, particularly when it comes to Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. Let's talk more about the crowds. Because we all know that look, it isn't towards Max Verstappen. But it is the, the, the majority of the people that are causing the trouble are Max Verstappen fans. And it needs to be highlighted.
0: Yeah, on a day like today, obviously the, the droads of fans that would have been there to support Max... The probability is a lot of them. Majority of of cases were caused by fans, those particular sets of fans. That said, and I think what's important here, and I think a few people have already expressed this, I think Lewis Hamilton made this point as well. Um, I'm going to try and see if I can bring it up because I think he put it better than I could. But Lewis basically said that He was disgusted and disappointed to hear that some fans are facing racist, homophobic, misogynistic and generally abusive behaviour at the circuit this weekend. Attending the Austrian Grand Prix or any other Grand Prix should never be a source of anxiety and pain for fans and something must be done to ensure that races are safe spaces for all. Please, if you see this happening, report it to security at the circuit and to F1. We cannot sit back and allow this to continue. And I think what the takeaway from that is pretty simple is that it's all fine and well to ask for certain people to talk on this subject um, express discontent put social media posts or quotes or anything else that they want to do to show support um, against what is happening and say that we need to be better the reality is action is required i don't care if every single person and their mums decide that they're gonna tweet something or put out a post saying that this is wrong f1 Can no longer and the FIA as well. They can no longer sit there and say, "Oh, our thoughts are with everybody. Oh, we're gonna do, we're gonna put this out, or we're gonna promote this." uh, Respect for all. We races one. I think that sort of phase is gone. Action Uh is required. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a person that's going to be affected by this uh, indirectly, because pure in terms of actually being a victim of this. Because I mean, look at me. I'm not the sort of person that's going to be targeted for any specific reason. That said. Action needs to be taken. I'm getting fed up of seeing, you know, so many people being victimized and abused by all of these idiots. And for lack of a better mm-hmm. way of, of putting them, and because we want to keep this podcast PG, I'm just going to call them idiots. Um, that and, and if they're not willing to change and improve their behavior and stop doing this, then show them the door. Do what Sebastian Vettel exactly. did. Ban them for life because the moment F1 starts taking action, hopefully these incidents will be less, fewer and further between, and hopefully completely eradicated, because F1's for everybody, and um, you know, it's not the old boys club that it used to be anymore, it's a different sport now, and thank goodness for that, because quite frankly, I'm bored of that old archaic uh, viewpoint of it, um, they need, you know, they need to be gone with the rest of it, so hopefully, hopefully action will be taken at future events, and there'll be and people will be made to feel safer that they can go to these events like young girls or people of color you know different ethnicities all over they can go to a race it doesn't matter who they support you can be a hamilton fan you can be a verstappen fan you could be a Zhe Guan Yu fan for all i care you know you go there you enjoy your race you have your fun uh obviously in good taste and then go home satisfied that you know you've had a great experience that's the most important thing um uh, louis Legon saying hopefully I pronounced that right, uh, says, especially with how much more popular F1 is becoming, it needs to be stamped out before it becomes one of those things in such a family-friendly sport. Absolutely spot on. Couldn't have put that better myself, and for the last few three or four minutes, I certainly tried. Anyway, let's move on to back to the race review. Courtney, we, we said we were going to talk about Carlos signs, Despite uh-huh. the fact that his race was abruptly ended by an unfortunate engine um, incident. And of course, it was a very strange one of how the marshals acted. I think you will agree they probably should have been a bit quicker because he was trying to stop his car rolling back on the circuit while it was on fire, whilst trying not to catch fire himself. Overall, his pace was very good this weekend. Should have been P2. He was battling away with his teammate in the sprint. Since the win in Britain, or since Canada, if you like, Carlos Sainz seems to be more like the Carlos Sainz that Ferrari was satisfied with last season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have mixed opinions on the Carlos Sainz situation. Obviously, really happy to see another driver in the mix. he got his first win, which was great for everyone to see. Fantastic for the team. But look, you noted this earlier on. There's been a couple of occasions now where, you know, the team orders or maybe lack of them sometimes have cost Ferrari points in this driver's championship battle. Ferrari have quite a big gap to make up to Max Verstappen. I think they're in a they're in the sort of compromised position now, just mathematically, where they're going to have to make a decision who their number driver, number one driver is, as soon as possible. Because right now, Red Bull have the luxury where, you know, it's pretty clear that Max Verstappen is the number one driver. He has the points lead. Sergio Perez has dropped more points, so for them, Max Verstappen is easily the number one driver. So right now you've got Red Bull having one driver going for the championship, but Ferrari still have two.
0: Yeah, very and much And you're going to so, get yeah. a
1: situation, mm. yeah, you're going to have a situation where the drivers are taking points off each other, which we've already seen in the last couple of races almost. So it's going to have to give, if Ferrari are serious about winning the driver's championship, as well as the constructors.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think Ferrari have to back Leclerc now. As harsh as it is on signs, you can only pinpoint one one proper big error that Charles Leclerc has made this season, and that was all the way back in, um, well, it was all the way back in Imola when he was trying to recover P2 in that race over right. how that was going. He made that mistake um, over, uh, yeah, in Imola. I I'm can't to remember the corner now. Sorry, a very anti-alta chicane, something like that. Um, but yeah, that, that that is pretty much it. So Ferrari need to get their act together on this. They need to back Leclerc unanimously. Signs has proven to be a very good supporting act. He was unlucky not to consolidate that today. So they need to keep doing that. This was a weekend where they really could have punished Red Bull, and unfortunately, they weren't really able to do it as much as they would have liked to in the way that Red Bull have done to them over and over this season. Um, SHT coming in with a comment there on the Hamilton Leclerc Verstappen investigation after Park Ferme rules were not followed, apparently, uh, saying that they are given suspended €10,000 fines for incorrect precision. Park Ferme. I think that was pretty much what we heard was going to happen. Fortunately, it doesn't affect the race result. That would have been interesting if it did. I don't think we we're expecting it to, given nature. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a simple slap on the wrist. Uh, and uh, less than that one, the better. Let's move on now to Red Bull. And I think the, t- the biggest takeaway for Red Bull this weekend is that Ferrari didn't inflict more damage on them that it feared that they might do. They won the sprint. Um, Checo Perez obviously recovered a very poor qualifying performance by his standards owing to that track limits infringement that the FIA eventually managed to stamp down on. Um, but recovered it back to P5 in the sprint. Obviously had that incident with George Russell at the start of the race, which obviously pretty much ruined his race. And uh, Max Verstappen, despite being the heavy favourite going into this Grand Prix, clearly didn't have the pace or the strategy to beat Ferrari, although he very nearly was able to get the win today when Charles Leclerc was having the issue with his throttle input towards the end. So with that all being said Courtney I don't think Red Bull will be too disappointed despite coming second best clearly in this race. I think it'll be more looking further ahead that these sorts of weekends become fewer and further between. They've started to wobble a little bit after what happened here and at Silverstone.
1: Yeah look they they still have the advantage in uh, both championships but there will be a part of people within that team that will be gutted. It's, it's Red Bull's home race. You had the Orange Army there in their droves. And they, they probably wanted to have that signature. Max Verstappen leading from start to finish. Orange Smoke. Tacky European music playing all around the Grands for, you know, the next few hours. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be today. Um, Charles and Ferrari come along and ruin the party. And... Uh, yeah, it was for me. It was it was good to see after some of the headlines that have come out today. But yeah, look overall, they'll still be they'll still be happy where they are in the championship. I I still believe that the next couple of races are going to be vital for the outcome of this championship. Like, I could be wrong. We could go in the bar um after the summer break, and it could be the same. But I just I just get a sneaking suspicion that we could see not a change in pecking order. As such, But I, I just feel that more points are going to be up for grabs after the summer break. So, look, I've, I've said it three or four times already. France and Hungary could well turn out to be vital points when it, when it comes to the outcome of this championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the question is on this one for Red Bull is, you know, as I said, you know, Silverstone... Um, Verstappen obviously was very unfortunate to run over that debris from Yuki uh, Tsunoda's AlphaTauri, which obviously ruined his race, he managed to salvage a few points out of that one, fortunately for him and he did a good job to do that much um, and the Sergio Perez was in the walls as well once again this weekend and um, again, it's more drop points, the only saving grace for them is Ferrari on both occasions have not been able to consolidate that with both cars for one reason or another if you're Red Bull right now obviously you're leading one championship by was it fifty six points? Another one in Max's hands by thirty eight points. Given how things have gone this season, if we took the performance metrics of the driver, the best driver and the car on its own, you could argue that Ferrari have been better than Red Bull in that regard, just from pure pace and yeah, to a degree driver import. You know, between Leclerc particularly and particularly on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday as well. I think Sunday. I think it's fifty-fifty on a Sunday. I think you, yeah. as I said, on a performance metric alone, I think if we take reliability and strategy calls, and you know the one mistake Leclerc made and and Verstappen's made one or two mistakes as well, I think it's been pretty dead level in that regard. But overall, surely at some point, if Ferrari can get their reliability together and the strategy calls are on par with what we saw today, should Red Bull start to be worried a little bit because we're in a comfortable position at the moment. I just got a feeling if Ferrari go on a run after winning the last two races and get it all together, this championship could very turn, very much turn. And again, the technical directive, it might bring Mercedes into play as well. So that could also be a factor.
1: Yeah, I think. Look, again, I've made my opinions clear on you know certain aspects of the Red Bull team. But look, if I if I was a team boss and I had a driver like Max Verstappen, I would I would always have an element of confidence that we can get it over the line look, the, the guy is supremely talented. For me, he's probably going to be the talent of his generation. You know, he's, he's probably the star student, you know, particularly in the coming years. So I think there'll always be an element of confidence that, you know, if, if they develop a, a decent enough car, Max Staffan will be able to get the results that they need. But I think the biggest question will be how these teams are affected by this technical directive. You know, we, we saw the funny shots earlier on of... Uh, uh, both Benotto and a Red Bull representative looking at, you know, looking at the Mercedes, but I think there's going to be a slight niggle, and I, I think with sense it particularly a Red Bull, there's still this obsession with everything that Mercedes are doing. I think there is this concern that once Mercedes catch up, they could struggle to stay on that level with them, so I think there's a sense of desperation to get these points. Mercedes might not even catch up all season, but it's just There is this weird dynamic between Red Bull and Mercedes where sometimes I feel Red Bull watching Mercedes more than they're watching their actual title rivals Ferrari.
0: Yeah, it could well be. And that might have been one of the reasons why they came second best this weekend. You know, it's just one of those where I feel like, yes, you know, Ferrari are winning the last two races. They won the last two races. They deserve to. They, you know, they did a good job. But obviously, they need to try and do more. It just feels like right now that there are certain caveats and certain added elements that could come to the play in the second half of the season, which might give Red Bull a little bit more to think about than they may have previously anticipated. Let's move on to Mercedes now. And once again, Mercedes have this incredible knack this season of being able to limit the damage and... You know Saturday well Friday I should say in qualifying both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton you know issues with the car combined with a little, the odd rare mistake from both of them forced them both out in qualifying and it, it was damage limitation perhaps more so for Lewis but you know George got a good result in the sprint Lewis recovered a little bit to get a point at the end of it and then in the race they end up finishing third and fourth once again damage limitation after some difficult starts they fought through the field very well they had good pace okay they were a long way off Ferrari and Red Bull today but they've got the results, and that's what matters. They've got a podium and a P4, more championship points in the bag for the team from Brackley. So, Courtney, once again, Mercedes are just chipping away right now. You know, whilst they're not at the level of Red Bull Ferrari yet, it's very encouraging that when they do eventually get there, their form is going to, if the form continues, they're going to be a threat.
1: Yeah, there, there are two things to really consider. You know, it's it's why I've bloody mentioned it several times, throughout this podcast, that, you know, despite... Mercedes being adrift on pure performance right now, if things were to change with the um, development war, Ferrari right now, look, fingers crossed, um, Mercedes right now, they they have a, a, a reliable car, does the job, and they do have two top talents in both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. So if they find that performance... Ferrari are gonna. Ferrari and Red Bull are gonna be fighting with two top top-jaw drivers. You know, is we're seeing what they're doing with a car that's been shaking them over the place last season. They're not even that far behind in both championships, all things considered. So you're right. If they if they find if they find that performance, which again could be changed over the summer, I feel that my head is telling me that I don't feel that Mercedes are going to be regular winners they might win a race or two but I feel they could play an impact in this championship battle when they're taking points off uh, Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc if either or both drivers are having a bad day
0: yeah absolutely and I think we saw some good battling I think George Russell was getting involved a little bit some good moments some less than good moments of course the incident with Sergio Perez now This is an interesting one this weekend because, of course, we talked about this last weekend or I talked about it with Lee at the British Grand Prix and I wasn't happy with the fact that um, Max Verstappen was able to get his elbows out and force Mick Schumacher very, very wide off the circuit almost and he had to sort of hold it to stay on when I think he should have given him room. But there's been some clarification since then from the FIA and F1 on the new overtaking rules which upon reading them, I was very, very confused about. I don't really think they make sense in terms of being consistent, but they're a little bit subjective as well. I really do. Long story short, guys, for those who that aren't aware of this, there are new overtaking rules in place for this season. And one of the key factors of this overtaking rule, particularly for drivers making moves on the outside, is if the car on the outside is ahead of, of the car on the inside by the time they get to the apex that car is allowed the race should be re- given the racing room on the outside in other words if you're ahead in the inside at the apex of the corner again that's subjective because of the different lines that drivers take through corner where is the one true apex we can't determine that of course it's all a matter of opinion and what line you go down the guy on the inside has every right to run the guy on the outside off the road Now, I'm not sure if that applies differently to circuits with runoff areas on the outside versus one with gravel. Turn four saw a lot of that action today, but we saw a bit of a contrast in how this rule was applied, which creates more problems. We saw Alex Albon at turn three getting a five-second penalty for forcing Lando off the road when I thought that was a very harsh penalty. Personally, I I don't think Lando was ahead of Albon at the apex. He was ahead under break but not at the apex, but they gave uh, a penalty to Albon for it. Fast forward to today... We had an incident with George Russell and Sergio Perez. And my opinion, I thought, is it was harsh. It was 50-50. I think what the reason why I think they give the penalty to Russell, which I kind of agree with, and again, this is my opinion. I don't think this is... I'm not sure if this is opinion of the stewards, and you can cast your own at this one, is that Perez was just about ahead of Russell at the apex. So he's allowed the racing room on the outside. But because Russell goes over the kerb, and then it forces him to understeer, and then that causes him to clip Perez. I think that's where the penalty comes from. And I've seen a lot of people saying what Russell meant to do disappear, but we saw in other circumstances. I think Kevin Magnussen was another one when I think uh, I think it was Esteban Ocon making a move around the outside of him. I think Magnussen slowed right down to give Ocon the racing room around the outside, and of course that's my opinion on it. So I thought it was a, it was harsh, but I think it was very close and it could have gone either way. Courtney what were your thoughts on that one do you think that was a fair penalty with the race i adults? think
1: I, I think another aspect that sort of decided that penalty was what happened in the 2020 race between lewis hamilton and um alex albon it was pretty much identical mm, yeah. so I, I i i just think they used that as a blueprint, really, I think they thought that they gave Lewis a five second penalty for that, which cost him the podium on a day. And I think that's they just they just went with the same thing. But it's it's a lack of consistency, and and to be honest, it, it's it's one of the things that sort of contributed to this animosity and unnecessary behaviour between the different fan bases in F one because there's so much inconsistency with the rules and the penalties that they apply it's so much easier for the FIA to open themselves up to being accused of bias for certain teams. I like, for me, like, it, it really annoys me. I've made it perfectly clear on this podcast how much broadcasting time Christian Horner gets compared to other teams. And and for me, it just seems like, right, I, I could be wrong. But from what I see with the amount of broadcasting time the guy gets... It does, it does look like at times that Christian Orner has a bigger voice compared to other team principles. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. But when there's an inconsistency in the rules, that does sort of open up the narrative that, you know, the FIA sort of bowed down to Christian Orner's boning, for example. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not. I, I personally believe that Christian Orner is in people's ears too much, which is why they did change the, um, the regulation about, you know, Team principals directly getting hold of the um, stewards during the race, but going forward, it's it's a consistency. We've been talking about it ever since we started this podcast two years ago. Adam, it's coming up time and time and time again. They they become a lot more harsh on the track limits, so that was good to see as well. They were being consistent with that, so that's that's a good place to start. But they need to be more consistent with the penalties that they set out as well as the rules that they set.
0: Well, I mean. You can, you can look at the incident that happened later on in the race where Gasly and Vettel come together in an almost identical scenario. Mm. Vettel was ahead of Gasly, from my perspective, at the apex. If you, know, if you want to pinpoint an apex being in the middle of the corner, Vettel was ahead, should have been given the race in a rim. And Gasly just goes straight into him and takes him out. And Gasly, from what I remember, and correct me in the chat if I'm wrong about this, but Gasly didn't get a penalty, whereas Russell did. So they apply the letter of the law to Russell... And harshly to Albon, which I didn't agree with, but they don't do it to Gasly. And, and and look, I know Pierre Gasly will be hoping that he can just have a clean race at some point. I think he's, four of the last five races that Gasly's been caught up in a collision, more so his fault than others. But I was absolutely flabbergasted as to why that one was penalised, why the Russell one was penalised and why the Gasly one wasn't. I thought, if, if Russell's was a penalty, surely Gasly's would definitely be a penalty, but alas, it wasn't from what I understand. So, I do make you right, Corny. I don't agree with these new rules on overtaking. I think they absolutely make no sense whatever and they leave themselves open to subjectivity and perspectives that just bear no relevance rather than just judging it straight and being consistent. And yet we're still getting that lack of consistency even with these new regulations. I don't understand. I just think... I don't know who come up with these as, as a blueprint for how we should manage overtaking, but they're just, not, they're just not working. I think they need to review this again and try to adopt a more simple approach or ask for driver's input. Sebastian Vettel huh? was absolutely furious about um, what Albon and Gasly were doing in this race involving him and they ruined, and it ruined his race and I can understand how he feels. I think he called them clowns on the team radios and uh oh adam Ahmed says Gasly did get a five second penalty so you know completely forget all of that then because apparently <laughs> but I, I thought he didn't he get it for track limits I, I don't know we saw loads of track limit penalties mind you as well so um the end of the day we, with these rules whether whether we're right or wrong or our assessment of what happened with gasly um, and i'm going to try and fact check that myself because i must have missed that during the race there were so many notifications from the stewards owing to track limits which mind you Courtney, i'm actually happy they did today it's nice to that's see it. that they police track limits for once.
1: Yeah, as long as the consistency is there, that, that that's all we're looking for. Because look, people have their favorite teams, their favorite drivers, and they're always going to find ways to believe that their their team or drivers at uh, disadvantage. You know, the FIA for other teams. Look, you get it in, you get it in every sport. If you're if you're, you know, whatever team or whatever sport you follow, you're always going to believe that your team is are done by. So and, and that's why the refereeing is so important. You know, we've had so many conversations in every single sport about how to make the refereeing more fair because it's obviously a vital aspect of, of the sport. So, look, let's try and get this consistency right because after last season, surely we've got to learn lessons from last season because towards the end of the day, it was absolutely awful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just checking on Twitter, actually. Now, Adam's right. Uh, not me, Adam. The uh, Adam in the chat um, saying that Gazi, Gazi did get a five-second penalty. Sorry, what confused me, actually, what was weird was that there was a notification coming up saying he was being investigated for not serving that penalty in the pits.
1: That's right, so, yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, that was really yeah. weird. Anyway, look, loads of inconsistencies going on. Obviously, they were consistent in that regard of their penalties, but uh, they weren't consistent with the Albon one. So, I'm still taking that as half a win. Uh, rather than go. being firmly put half a W. Yeah like f- a rather than being firmly put on fraud watch I'm <laughs> taking that much anyway. So look, we'll digress on that one. I think f- you know it's a valid point anyway. But anyway, look, we will um move on. But Mercedes, as I said, overall I think they'll be relatively happy with that. They did the max that they possibly could have done and they managed to get a podium. That's really all that matters. And and Sir Lewis did a great job this weekend. Very much um in the in the quiet, I suppose, in the way Russell was in the sprint race. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much going on but he did what he needed to do well. His pace was very good, made some good overtakes when he had to, and he did a great job. Let's move on to uh, some other stand out performances. Um, Ocon, fifth place. He had a good weekend, didn't he, Courtney? He was fifth in the sprint, fifth in the main race. He's, you know, despite what's been going on with Alonso, the bad luck he's been having with the engine issues, and he recovered well to get in the top 10 today, despite starting last with an engine issue. Um, I think Alpine are going to be delighted with Ocon at the moment. He just seems to be outside of the the top three teams clearly the best uh-huh. of the best of the rest at the moment
1: I remember us talking about Ocon when he was going through a period of his career where he was constantly getting involved in incidents getting involved in unnecessary tangles and I remember saying that Ocon needs you know some time in his career where he just gets someone's job and almost goes undetected throughout the race and that's exactly what he's doing at the moment I do feel that Alpine right now, are probably the best in the midfield. McLaren seem to be unpredictable. But right now, if I if I look at my driver or my team coming up like being behind the car, I would I'd, I'd fancy my chances being behind the McLaren more over an Alpine right now. I do believe mm. Alpine are the best midfield car, but look, Arcon's extracting the most he can out of the car. He's been a bit more consistent lately. But it just it just makes you wonder where Alpine would be if Fernando Alonso was, you know, getting, you know, a bit more luck on his side because we know what Fernando Alonso can do, even at even at his age, you know, we saw a great overtake. <laughs> well say great but comical overtake on uh, on Yuki Tsunoda, where, you know, he has his tire just on the edge of the grass and gave him a little wag of the finger as he was breaking. So it just yeah. shows how much talent mm-hmm. he has.
0: That Even was, in his fingertips. That was brilliant from Alonso. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely found that hysterical. I'm, I mean, we're talking about a guy now well into his uh, in his early 40s. People saying, has he still got it? Can he still drive against these young stars? Can he still do it in Formula 1? That right there on its own. You're travelling at 180 miles an hour. You're on the grass a little bit. You hold your line. You keep your foot down. And then whilst you're making the overtake with DRS open with one hand using your other hand to wag your finger at him to <laughs> tell him off for that. I mean... That's just peak Fernando Alonso right there. Absolutely love it. And in answer to your question, Courtney, where would Alpine be? I mean, they'd comfortably be in fourth in this Constructors' Championship. And right now, their favourites to be in fourth place right now. They are in a league of their own, quite literally at the moment. Um, they're not fast enough to challenge Mercedes, who are also in a league of their own at the moment, and the Red Bulls and the Throws. But they seem comfortably fast compared to everybody else. They seem to be good everywhere where some teams are quick in some circuits in this midfield and some not so good at others. And that's what we've been seeing across the midfield. But Alpine, consistently good. All they need to do is just sort something out for Fernando so we can get mm-hmm. more points on the board. Because Ocon's doing some great stuff right now, but Ocon is certainly not getting the same amount of luck as his teammate at the moment. But good stuff for Alpine nonetheless. Let's talk about Haas. I'm really, about I'm really, really, really happy for Haas. I'm a Ferrari fan first, but I'm growing very quickly to becoming a Haas fan second. I think a lot of people probably share this, share these sentiments with them. But they obviously came into this weekend again. A team that's hardly put any upgrades on this car. It's clearly a good car in the right environment. And uh, qualifying on Friday, they were good, both in the top 10. Sprint race, both in the top 10 again. Magnussen getting points, P7. Mick Schumacher having a race-long battle with Sir Lewis Hamilton something that I'm pretty sure his father would have been very proud to watch although I must admit I think Mick was a lot fairer to Lewis than I think his father mm. would have been with all due respect but you know and he was disappointed because obviously his teammate didn't help him out with the DRS I thought that was fair we saw Mick sort of entering his villain arc if you like but I tell you what he was superb today I've you know Despite some of the other results, my driver of the day. I think F1 announced he was driver of the day. I think yeah. he was absolutely fantastic. Made some great overtakes. Um, really right in the battle today. And he, and he showed great pace. The, hopefully, Courtney, he's got that monkey off his back with a point. We're now starting to see his form go up. The confidence is there. The driving is good. He's doing a great job right now, Mick Schumacher.
1: Yeah, Mick Schumacher was certainly one of the drivers that I was worried about. He might be going out of the, uh, the F1 trap door at the end of the season. But he started to pick up the points just when he needed to. Kevin Magnussen has been performing very well for Haas since coming back, as, as particularly as abruptly as he did. And there is, a, there is a real feel-good story about Haas. You know, the story that they come from, the controversies, obviously linked with the Russian company and... Um, the key to Mazepin, they probably they're probably the least popular team on the grid at one point. So not only have they improved with the with the performance, they've actually improved with the popularity, which obviously in business in a business sense, that's only going to help the team moving forward. I'm just going to be intrigued where they go once they get these upgrades, because if this is if this is where they are before the upgrades, if the upgrades have the desired effect. Could they be challenging Alpine for fourth? Crazy the thing. If you told me last season that Haas could be challenging for fourth, I'd laugh in your face.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, currently seventh in the Constructors' Championship at the moment. They are 17 points off of Alfa Romeo, a lot further back from McLaren and Alpine. So I think Haas right now consolidating P7 at the moment is probably a good target. They might push a P6. Depends on what's going on. Those Alphas do look quick at most circuits. Not so much this weekend, But um, I think they'll be delighted with that result. Kevin Magnussen, of course, getting P8. I think he was in the wars again today, but did a good job. You know, he Uh was making some good clean overtakes. And uh, he was complaining that there was an engine issue with the car that he was managing all race. So, you know, the Ferrari power units are still having problems with the Husses as well. So they kind of need to hope that those Ferrari power units will become more reliable as the season goes on. Of course, they can make upgrades to those engine from a reliability perspective of course we're assuming there's no extra performance that comes from that so yeah great stuff from us i'm really happy to see this i'm happy to see mick schumacher do so well i think in the last couple of races he's been absolutely superb and this is more like the mick schumacher that has and and f1 really need you know you don't want to see mick falling out of f1 especially with a name like schumacher and i know that shouldn't give him any extra attention or advantage but it kind of does And I think for the right reasons that, you know, he needs to deliver on that. And it looks like he's doing that. You know, the shackles have come off, if you like, and he's now starting to drive a lot more like the Mick Schumacher that we were hoping to get this season. So great stuff for us. And it's uh, such a wonderful team at the moment of people for these sorts of good things to happen to. So it's a really nice story for them. Let's move on now to a team that could do with a bit of better luck. But I think given the way the race went this weekend, I think they'll be relatively happy with their results, is McLaren and Courtney... You know, you and I both know McLaren. Obviously, the pace just wasn't there this weekend. They seem to have been struggling a little bit where they seem to be okay in the race. They're surviving, but uh, not quite as comfortable as they like. Norris P7, Ricardo P9 in the end. That kind of came out of nowhere almost. Qualifying both of them outside the top 10. Also the same for the sprint outside the top 10. So... You know, whilst they're under threat right now from Alpine, I think McLaren are kind of just happy to just take any points that they can get right now. The car, for whatever reason, they just cannot seem to find that performance that they have had a few times this season.
1: Yeah, it seems to be, particularly at the beginning of the season, seems to be like a very peaky car. It'd be, you know, challenging Mercedes at some races, and then next race that'd be right in the back. It just seems to be like they're more consistent, more consistently on the. Uh, lower echelons of the point scoring. Um, I still feel McLaren need more for Daniel Ricciardo. He's probably one of the drivers that are on like my concern list. Obviously, I think the, the, the main one I expect to leave, well, 100% is off is Latifi. Um, but I, after that, I, I do feel that Daniel Ricciardo is one of the guys that, look, he, he had a slight improvement this weekend, but I think he needs to get a big result for the team soon because Lando Norris did a good thing, you know. Even with the penalty that he got, he still he still got the uh, still got the, probably the maximum result from the team. But if Lando has a bad day, they need Daniel Ricciardo up there to scoop up the points, and he's still not doing that quite consistently enough yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, guys, get your thoughts in the chat about this one because um, this is quite an intriguing point. I want to hear your thoughts on this one as well. But Daniel Ricciardo, we've talked about him a few times this season. Will he stay? Won't he stay? It's very much in his hands right now. I don't know about you, Courtney, but I just feel right now the inconsistencies, you know, some days it can be good, some days not so much, but we're not really seeing a resurgent sign uh-huh. that Daniel Ricardo is going to snap out of this and really be like he was before. There seems to be a fear growing right now that he could be calling it a day very, very soon. Maybe not this year, but certainly next year. What are your thoughts on him at this point in time? Um, I, I just can't help but feel that this is what we're gonna be getting from Danny Rick until he decides to call it a day or leave McLaren and go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, like he, he hasn't been terrible, but he's still not the Daniel Ricardo that we you know we knew making like, the, the bold overtakes, you know, making the headline moves that we, we saw him do even when he was at Renault. He used, he was getting some great results at Renault. He's getting podiums for them. He would absolutely ring the neck of the performance of the car, but he's still struggling ever since he's joined McLaren. I bet he's probably regretting joining McLaren. But I'm not. I'm not saying it's it's the team's fault, but for whatever reason, whether it's the philosophy that they're following with the development of their car, it just doesn't suit Daniel's driving style. And you've got you know a younger, upcoming Brit in Lando Norris, who seems to be the firm number one driver at the moment, and a Formula One is brutal. You know they don't give you much allowance because. Tenths of a second could cost you so many results, so much money for the team moving forward. And sometimes these teams have to make brutal decisions in order to be successful. None of us want to see Daniel Ricciardo leave the sport, but at the end of the day, McLaren are a business. So if they feel they have better options moving forward, they will have to make that decision one day.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one with McLaren. I mean, what do you think it's down to with them right now? Because again, they're they're one of these teams right now where they'll turn up to some circuits and be quick and then they'll turn up to others and be absolutely nowhere near it right now. It just feels like they're lacking that consistency where they've had Uh some peaky results earlier in the season. And, you know, Alpine's consistency and a few other teams that might be threatening them in the midfield, there is a risk right now where they seem to be going backwards rather than forwards.
1: Yeah, I think a lot lot of it might be that there's still a lot of, Learning to do with these with these new era of cars that are coming in. You know, some teams have come out of nowhere and taken to it. Like Haas obviously had a lot more time, you know, to develop the car. Maybe it's because McLaren finished so high up last season, and they finish well. They, they finished well, they were fourth, fourth weren't they, last yeah.
0: just behind Ferrari, Red Bull, so, Mercedes. Yeah.
1: So maybe it had something to do with the development last season. Though like, Ferrari made it very much very clear last season they weren't going to develop that much, and focus on. This year, maybe McLaren was so keen to finish the as size as possible last season that they didn't put as much you know, time into this season and they're still playing catch-up. I, I do expect a lot of these teams to be leveling out towards the end of the season and going into next season. But McLaren certainly seems to be one of the teams that have a car that's good on a day, but they're still trying to learn a lot. They've got this, this, this beast that they're not quite able to contain and control yet, and when they do, maybe they'll start picking up the results.
0: Yeah, very much so. I certainly hope so because um, they really need to be back up there fighting on a regular basis every weekend. I mean, Lando's doing a great job. Danny Rick got some points this weekend, but that one kind of came out of nowhere and probably benefited from a few issues for other drivers around him. So we can only hope McLaren can find a way back at the moment. It's looking a bit dire for them right now. But let us know your thoughts on that one, guys, in the chat and read the best ones out on the show. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. It's an important thing as well. We're chasing a thousand subscribers and we need your support. To do that so if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button for more great race reviews, previews, and of course, live watch alongs of every qualifying session in Formula One. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo Courtney Bottas finishing P11th after P10 in the sprint. Zhou Guan Yu very much involved in some good battles today, some interesting driving, but a P14 in both races wasn't quite. Alfa Romeo's weekend by the lofty standards, and of course, Valtteri Bottas very narrowly missing out uh, after Fernando Alonso managed to get him towards the end of the race. But that's some great battles nonetheless.
1: Yeah, I think, look, we're seeing such a tight midfield battle this season. That's what we wanted to see. And, you know, their performance this weekend shows exactly that. They're certainly not the vanilla team that used to almost winding me up over the last few seasons where they had absolutely nothing to offer and would finish eleventh and twelfth. They might have finished around there this week, but I know come, you know, France, Hungary, they'll be in scoring positions. And both of the drivers are delivering as well. Valti Bottas has settled in well. I always expected him to do so. You know, I think at times his contributions towards Mercedes was underestimated, particularly when it comes to development. And I, I've got to admit for me, I think New show has been one of the surprise packages for me, you know, and I looked through his junior career, you know, in the F two series, that there always I always looked at other drivers that I thought were more deserving of a seat over Guan Yujo, but actually he's come in and he's done a really, really good job. And fair play to him. So right now I do feel Alfred Mayo have got themselves a sort of a good family unit there, but they also have two drivers there that they can actually rely on.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know there was a great moment in this race today of course the one where we had I think it was uh, Norris Alonso Stroll the two Hasses and Zhou Yu all going into turn 3 trying to fight each other and it was incredible the fact that none of them hit each other really it was great good race. Driving. it really was all around and uh, that's just showing the midfield is really providing most of the entertainment this season as we expected it to do so um but no some great stuff for them Plenty of TV time as well. I think we got a lot of that Silverstone uh, we, where we didn't see much of the midfield battle. And uh, this weekend we did. And it's great stuff. The fans absolutely enjoying it and absolutely loving it. I certainly cannot complain that these F1 2022 cars are boring. They certainly seem to be doing the job in that exactly. regard. So uh, it's fantastic stuff. Uh, we should talk about Williams as well. A bit of a <sighs> mixed Nicholas Satifi not working out for him today. Alex Albon you know, despite the car not being as fast as they'd hoped it might have been after their updates, Albon is still fighting on the fringe of the points. He was kind of there all weekend long. Uh, as I said, bit unfortunate with that five-second time penalty, uh, what happened in the sprint race, which really hampered him. Um, I must admit, it uh, cost him a chance of getting some uh, getting some more points overall. But, Williams, again, it's just one of those days where it could have gone their way, but uh, just missed out on this occasion.
1: Uh, look, Williams was- uh, they've been a bit underwhelming for me. I expected more from them, you know. Obviously, they've had their struggles over the last few years, and I really thought they could bounce back a bit more this season. But they do seem to be the worst team this season, and I don't want to keep on knocking the guy because I'm sure he gets enough. But Nicholas Satifi offers absolutely nothing to that team, he really doesn't. You know, if if you don't have the fastest car, you need drivers going to pick up the points. Like we've seen with Alex Albon when given a chance he's up there getting results but nine times out of ten Latifi doesn't do it for them and I've said it many times they they need a fresh start and I think a change of driver is the way to go for them
0: yeah maybe so we'll just have to wait and see right now but it was as I said a very difficult weekend for Latifi overall and uh, Alex Albon yeah just near missing but you know Williams will come back they'll keep trying this this was a circuit where obviously straight line speed has been important. And um, obviously, Williams are still coming to terms with this new car. And hopefully for them, they'll have better days in races coming forward. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's talk about uh, who, we got, who we got left. We got Aston Martin or Aston Martin, I should say. as uh, as my accent. Can't help it. I have to pronounce it as it is. Mm-hmm. That said, the green car. Um, Vettel, very unlucky this weekend. Really caught up on the uh, receiving end on a few errors. Well, obviously, one from Gasly. Obviously, Albon getting involved with him as well. Wasn't very happy with Sebastian Vettel. And of course, getting a fine for storming out during a uh, F1 driver briefing. I'm not quite sure what he was unhappy about. i imagine it was probably the overtaking uh, controversies that are going on, or the rules on overtaking at the moment. So uh, what can we say about their weekend? And of course, Lance Stroll, again, na- narrowly missing out on points. He was in the battle again, drove relatively well. But this is a car, Courtney, right now that is good in the race. It's absolutely dreadful. Yeah in qualifying, and I can't understand why.
1: Yeah, they, they certainly have a car that should be regularly, you know, finishing in points scoring positions, but because they're so bad in qualifying, they're having to make up all the ground, then look, when you're stuck at the back, you're more likely to get caught up in incidents and end up, you know, losing positions or going out of the race altogether. So Aston Martin really need to focus on improving their qualifying pace, and I'm sure the results will start coming for them.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope it does. I mean, the highlight of Seb's weekend was a crash helmet that he bought, obviously, you know, to draw attention to preserving the bees around the world and obviously trying to save them and how important they are. Um, so it's quite a shame, really, for Seb. He wasn't happy this weekend. It wasn't his best weekend. A lot of things going on. He was more memorable for stuff that happened outside the car than it was for what happened in it, really. So that just kind of says it all for him this weekend. Um, last but not least, Alpha AlphaTauri. Ugh. This is a yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about the midfield where some of them have good days and some of them have bad days. But I think this is the one team right now which are slowly moving further and further backwards in the pecking order. The car is not consistent. It's slow. Both of their drivers seem to be making mistakes and getting involved in accidents more often than not. The uh, leading antagonist in those incidents. Nothing seems to be going right for AlphaTauri.
1: No, and I'm actually surprised with Pierre Gasly at the moment because Pierre, Pierre's, I'd say, over the last couple of seasons has always been one of the top midfield performers, let's say. And he had a really, really scruffy weekend. And he has over the last two, three races, he's had really scruffy weekends. So look, he could turn it around. He's done it before, but maybe after signing his new contract, he has a, he has a sense of security. The car's not quite there. Maybe he's just racing, maybe just putting in six and seven out of 10 performances. He knows that that's okay. The pressure isn't as high as that, at that team. But that team do need at least a, a Lisa life because it's certainly gone a bit dull at Alpha Tauri.
0: Yeah, it feels like that. I mean, I, I'm trying to understand what's going on at the moment. I mean, I, obviously, I want to see Alpha Tauri do well. They're one of those teams that obviously have a very, very well run unit. Um, they've got two very good drivers right now, two good young drivers that obviously have aspirations. Whether they want to stay with the team or move on in the future remains to be seen. But at the moment, both of them are just, at the very same time, unfortunately, have just reached this lower patch of form where they're just making mistakes. Um, Obviously, they had that collision with each other, although that was Sonoda's fault. And the team right now, in a battle in the midfield, they're just falling further down the order. I mean, this is a side that, they always have aspirations of trying to be in the top four or five, and they should have been there last season, and they just missed out there. But this just seems to be going backwards where everyone's making a step forward. That's not really what AlphaTauri needs to be doing.
1: No, and particularly given that the midfield battle is so tight, the slightest error is going to get punished, and you can find yourself slipping down that pecking order so, so quickly. So they definitely need to be having a word themselves going into the second half of the season because... They could find themselves losing a lot of prize money if they don't sort themselves out.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I think it's a good point. Obviously, we're going to the next Grand Prix in France in a couple of weeks' time. There's no race next weekend, so a little bit of a break. Any any teams in particular, Courtney, that need to use this time to try and uh, figure a few things out going into that race because it could be an important weekend. And I'm pretty sure overtaking, controversy, and overtaking rules are going to come into a play on the world's biggest runoff area at Paul Ricard yeah. right now.
1: yeah if you look at teams that need to have a word themselves i'd say alpha towery uh williams certainly aston martin to an extent uh and then i think ferrari and when it comes to their reliability they need to get on top of this reliability because the pace is there it's only the reliability that is the the main issue for them right now
0: yeah I i think so too hopefully uh That will improve for them over the course of the season. But as I said, a long season. We're at the halfway point now. And uh, the championship right now, there might be some room for hope at the very top end of it. Of course, there might be some hope in certain other areas of the paddock. We'll have to wait and see until the next race in Paul Ricard. And of course, reflect on what happens in the summer break. And we'll do a mid-season review appropriately in due course. But guys, I think we can pretty much wrap that one up for this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix it was certainly one with a lot of action packed into it certainly a lot of excitement one of the more enjoyable races this season and there are still some more stories waiting to be developed over the rest of the season but guys if you have enjoyed this episode make sure to give it a like really helps us out a lot and consider subscribing to the channel of course if you follow us on your favorite podcasting platform you can also help us out by giving us a five-star review if of course that you think we are worthy but just remember you need to let us know on our socials if you are giving us a five-star review on apps like Spotify, because of course we can't see who's doing that. So on Apple iTunes, you can leave a written review so you can see your name and we'll be able to give you a shout out on the next episode and all the others. Just let us know on our socials, as you can see below dnf1 underscore official, and we'll be able to give you a shout out on the next episode as a reward. And we really appreciate your support on that one. Just seeing David Doherty saying, I hope Paul Ricard doesn't hurt our eyes. I remember all of those uh, different colour squiggly lines all around the circuit. So uh, I completely forgot about that one. So thanks for that, Dave. uh, That's going to give me a migraine when I watch that race uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Anyway, guys, look, it's been fantastic having you on. Really, really appreciate you weighing in. Keep those coming in for future episodes. But we will be back in a couple of weeks time for our french grand prix preview there's no podcast episode coming next week we're going to take a little bit of a break if that's okay because we've been very very busy of late but we really appreciate your support so until then stay safe thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care
1: see you soon